G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Talking terrorism, talking Islam and uh, with a special guest, Babette Francis, today. Overnight, police revealed that it was an international flight that had been earmarked for a suicide attack by the alleged Sydney terror cell, but they changed plans at the last minute. Well, those details start to uh, come out uh, days after these things. A senior source is quoted as saying, it was as close to a major terror attack as we have ever come. Well, it's also been confirmed that suspects arrested in the weekend police raids have links to known terrorists locally and in Syria, including some currently facing trial for a terrorist-related murder. Some honour due, isn't there, uh, for the work of counter-terror intelligence officers. Uh, Without their good work, we may have been waking to different headlines uh, of an attack on a plane carrying up to 500 passengers. Well, our government is claiming that tough terror laws are the things that are thwarting mass murder terror plots. Under Australia's laws, it's reported 70 people have been charged as a result of 31 counter-terrorism operations since 2014. It's more than you imagine, isn't it? Well, the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull tells us that we should all fly with confidence, knowing that cancelling flights because of fear is exactly what the terrorists want us to do. So as there appears to be a rise in threats to Australians... This certainly won't be the last threat. It's likely there will be major attacks. So what do we make of the rise in terrorism? And are Aussies resilient enough to defeat the terrorists? Are Aussies typically aware that the rise in terror correlates with the rise of the influence of Islam? What do you understand about the religious foundations for these terror plots? Is every terrorist suffering a mental disorder? How do you separate moderate Muslims from extreme Muslims? Well, our conversation will be an interesting one today. And as I say, you are invited to participate. You might have your own question or insight about things that are happening in the world and here in Australia. Our special guest through this coming hour, Babette Francis, a founding member of Endeavour Forum. Now, Endeavour Forum, a pro-life, pro-family, Australian women's NGO to counter the ideology of contemporary feminism. Well, of course, the status of women is a huge issue in Islam, and there's a stark contrast to the high and equal value that Christianity places on women. Babette Francis is the Senior Fellow Social Policy at Macroeconomics. She's also the Vice President of the Melbourne Branch of the National Party, a Vice President of the Family Council of Victoria and Vice President of the Drug Advisory Council of Australia. And she is joining us through this coming hour. A special welcome back to 2020 to you, Babette Francis. 
Hello, Neil. Great to be on your program again. I just have to make one correction. I'm not uh, any longer vice president of the Melbourne branch of the National Party. I'm I'm a member, but uh, and uh, a very active member, but I'm not the vice president anymore. Well, thank you for that correction. And uh, there's so many elements, so many strings to the bow. Uh, that's one of the minor ones. I think we can uh, we can drop off there. <laughs> yes, I like to be accurate. I don't want to claim credit for something. That I <laughs> well, thank you. No, no, thank you. For the accuracy, I, I like the accuracy too. Babette, you have been published a couple of times just recently in The Australian, some letters to the editor. It's been on this topic of uh, issues to do with the rise of Islam, the rise of terror. Uh, what sort of things have you felt as though uh, you were reflecting in those letters to the editor in The Australian? Well, I feel that our politicians don't... Uh, in, uh, un- entirely understand the issue of uh, Islamic terrorism. It doesn't come from a few radical extremists who are, uh, in quotes, mentally disturbed or uh, radicalized individuals. The basis of it is in uh, Islam itself. There are a number of quotes I could give you from the Quran, which talks about deaths to infidels, and it says things like... Uh, uh, punish by death or strike terror into the hearts of the disbelievers, cut off their heads, cut off all their fingertips, fight Christians and Jews who do not believe in Allah until they submit, fight the disbelievers. Um, you, uh, you know, there are endless quotes like that from verses in the Quran. And that is what our political leaders don't understand, that it's not a case of uh, extremists or a few disturbed individuals. The basis is in Islam itself. And in fact, the terrorists in ISIS and Al-Qaeda are actually fulfilling what the Quran asks for. It is the so-called moderate Muslims who are sort of like uh, non-practicing Christians, you know, who uh, maybe just go to church once a year on uh, Christmas Day or Easter Sunday. And that is something our politicians have to understand. The moderate Muslims are uh, completely useless from our point of view. They're really not uh, able to do anything. The Muslims we can, or ex-Muslims we can, uh, hope for reform from other actual reformers. And there are a few of them, including people like uh, General Fatah el-Sisi of Egypt. Yes, and we might be able to talk some more about uh, those good things that are moving forward and those who are standing up and who are endeavouring to counter the extremism. Uh, Just before we move on in our conversation, Babette, uh, people will recognise there's a slight accent uh, when you speak, uh, although it's very Aussie, I must say, these days, but uh, your history and connections that you've had through your life when it comes to these issues, when we're talking about the topic of Islam today. Can you give us a little bit of your background? Yes, um, I was born in India, uh, pre-partition India, and uh, during my 23 years that I lived in in India, I I had the opportunity to visit those provinces which later became Pakistan. So I'm familiar with the scene there, and to me, 
Pakistan is an ongoing tragedy as far as um, Christians, minorities, and human rights is concerned, because I observe that they, uh, in the aftermath of um, the partition of the subcontinent, and it's it's a lot worse now. Uh, Pakistan started with um, uh, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, the founder. Uh, trying to be moderate and uh, observe human rights and give uh, equal rights to minorities, but it has deteriorated substantially uh, from that time. It's it's really a, a basket case now, and uh, a lot of the attention about Islam is focused on the Middle East, but I think we should look nearer to home and observe the tragedy that's happening in Pakistan. Let me bring you to a quote that you thought was perceptive analysis by Jason Thomas in one of your letters to the editor. He said, we must cut the tentacles of Islamist terror. You were you were suggesting that's a perceptive analysis of how organisms mutate and replicate. And uh, knowing that you have a scientific background as well, there's so many strings to your bow. When we talk about uh, perceptive analysis, uh, when you talk about uh, cutting tentacles off Islamic terror, how do you th- see uh, Islamic and uh, terrorism around the world? It does have, it does appear to have these sorts of tentacles. Well, uh, any uh, organism which has tentacles needs a swamp, a base, or something to survive. I think I said this in my letter to the editor of The Australian. And the base for uh, Islamic tentacles is in the Quran, in their religious teaching. And until um, our politicians, politicians in democratic countries, United States, uh, the UK, and Australia, uh, get to grips with this and have an analysis of what is in the Quran, we'll never be able to solve this problem. Uh, many people have called for, in Australia, have called for a royal commission into Islam, and I would welcome that, uh, something that analyzes their, uh, uh, the actual teaching of the Quran, because this is what uh, the Muslims go by and what ISIS is actually uh, fulfilling. Uh, you know, we've had royal commissions into uh, child sex abuse and uh, other major issues, and I, th- I think we need to have one on Islam itself. Okay, so uh, you're saying that it's the swamp that actually the tentacles of Islam grow from, uh, the Quran. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we started talking about politicians and what politicians don't understand. Uh, There does appear to be a certain level of political correctness uh, where politicians refuse to actually look at uh, the foundations of where those tentacles might be coming from. Uh, is there something you can comment with regard to that? Yes, absolutely. It's like, uh, you know, we're sort of saying, uh, if, say, we were talking about Nazism or uh, communism, we wouldn't be talking about moderate versions of it or uh, uh, at all. We'd be analyzing the ideology and saying, this is what is wrong, this is where it's coming from. And I'd like to see that done by our... Uh, politicians in regard to Islam. You know, the Quran uh, calls openly for deaths to uh, infidels and apostates and homosexuals and uh, Christians and Jews who won't pay an extra tax. Now, I wouldn't be allowed to distribute a a pamphlet calling for the death for, let's say, people who were left-handed or had red hair or something like that. Uh, why is the Quran allowed to be distributed or why aren't uh, politicians asking 
the religious authorities, the Muslim religious authorities in Australia, the sheikhs and imams and preachers, to expurgate those passages in the Quran, which calls for death to, for all all sorts of categories of people, you know, infidels, apostates, homosexuals. Um, th- this is what's necessary. One should not be allowed to preach from or distribute a book which calls for death for various categories of people. Yes. Uh, let me come to uh, the ideals that appear to be presented in Islam. Uh, the idea that uh, people learn from the Quran. Uh, that uh, that there are people that ought to be uh, separated, uh, those that are liked, those who are believers in the Quran or uh, who are Muslims, uh, and those that are not, the infidels. So you've got this sort of idea that, that somehow or other, uh, when we look at the Judeo-Christian heritage of Western nations, uh, that somehow or other uh, that you might glean from the Quran that uh, that the, the Western nations are to be hated, our freedoms to be hated, our lifestyles to be hated, our secular choices to be hated. And not to say that Christians agree with all the secular choices, but, but there are some things there uh, which are, are, are quite obvious at a glance uh, to see that some of these things actually do happen. But because of this political correctness, uh, nobody's actually taking notice of those things. Um, look, I agree there's quite a lot wrong with um, uh, the behavior of uh, people in Western democracies, the secularism and the hedonistic attitude of uh, many people. And um, I accept the criticism by Muslims that uh, there is a lot that is decadent and should be criticized in Western society. But the solution is to uh, preach the moral message, not to call for death for all these people. It's the uh, incitement to violence and the intolerance uh, that I object to. One, sh- one should not be allowed to distribute uh, a book or preach from a book that calls for the death for various categories of people. Um, those passages should be expurgated from the Quran. And if people claim that I'm talking about these verses out of context, I would like to ask them, what is the context in which you can ask for uh, death for infidels and apostates and homosexuals and Christians and Jews and uh, anybody who violates some of the um, precepts of uh, of Islam? What, what is the correct context? That's right, and I think what you've just said as a comment is very, very powerful. And just to dwell on that for a moment, because what you're saying is people ought not to be able to preach out of a book that calls for the death of other people who don't believe what they do. Uh, Absolutely. That's actually, uh, you know, when we... When we boil things down and we say, what are the strongest ways in which we can counter uh, the issues that we face? Uh, You've touched on something very, very important there. Uh, The fact that people can preach out of a book that actually does say those things. And, And really, I don't hear a lot of people saying, putting those things in some sort of context where they say that those things don't matter anymore and there are other higher priorities. Uh, really, it's a, it's a very strong comment, Babette. Um, Neil, I think our answer is to keep preaching the message of, of Jesus Christ, you know, the message of love and forgiveness. His very sublime statement when he was uh, dying on the cross, we you know, when he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And, uh, you know, his 
constant message of love and peace, you know, put away your swords. I think this is what we should be preaching. I really think the answer to um, to Islam is uh, evangelization, you know, conversion, um, uh, call it whatever you like. But, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, there's a lot of concern about the huge... Um, a refugee intake in, into Europe, you know, that Angela Merkel has encouraged where hundreds of thousands of Muslim refugees have um, infiltrated um, uh, Europe and uh, are causing havoc over there. But maybe if Christians were more um, assertive about preaching the message of Jesus Christ, we could convert a lot of those Muslims. A lot of them are, in a way, I'll put this in quotes, innocent, because they're actually ignorant of what the Quran is demanding of them, or they haven't paid sufficient attention to uh, all the injunctions to kill everybody who doesn't agree with you. I don't think the majority of uh, Muslims are killers, and I want to draw a big distinction between Muslims and Islam, just as there is a distinction between Germans and Nazis. Uh, the majority of Muslims are uh, uh, good people like us. They're the victims of Islam. They have been fighting an internal civil war where Muslims have been killing Muslims far more than they've been killing people of other faiths. You know, this war has been going on for 14 centuries. You know, we've got to find some way of liberating Muslims from Islam. You know, call it conversion, evangelization, education, uh, whatever, you know, but we have to liberate Muslims from Islam. And while we're talking about Muslims and liberating them from Islam, uh, that really says to us that it is the responsibility of Christian believers uh, to not be fearful and to not take a backward step, uh, but to actually embrace and engage Muslims uh, with the truth about Jesus Christ. Because oftentimes, as I'm aware, and you'll be aware too, and I'll get your thoughts, but uh, but Muslims tend to think that the Christians have a corrupt Bible and a corrupt message, and somehow or other that needs to be corrected. And it won't happen unless Christians take a forward step, a loving engagement step to be able to uh, resolve some of those issues so that people can believe uh, on uh, the Bible and upon Jesus Christ. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the The... Uh, uh, Qurans or Muhammad's claims that the Bible was uh, corrupted or whatever, completely invalid. He just took bits and pieces from here and there. <laughs> in fact, uh, there are so many contradictions in the Quran that one can hardly regard it as a, a logical sort of um, uh, publication. Uh, and I think it is, it's very important that um, Christian leaders, and I blame some of those uh, in my own faith, I'm a Catholic, I blame some of the uh, top leaders of uh, being too, uh, in quotes, uh, tolerant of the the violence that's promoted in the Quran and trying to say that uh, Islam is a, uh, an Abrahamic faith along with Christianity and Judaism. I simply don't agree with that. Um, Islam is not an Abrahamic faith. Uh, and um, our Christian leaders, instead of regarding it as, um, as such, should be making far more uh, energetic efforts to evangelize, to educate them about Christianity, and uh, and to give them a copy of the, the Bible, which is um, uh, the, really the Word of God, not, not the Quran. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. 
Our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Babette Francis of Endeavour Forum is with us today, and we are talking through, and in some sense, a generalised way, but we are talking about extreme Islam, and we're talking terrorism, we're talking about what Christians think about these issues, about the things that are unfolding in our own nation, even today, at 1-800-316-316. Babette, let's take some calls. Let's first of all hear from Brett in Maribra. Uh, hello, Brett. Brett, are you in Maryborough, Queensland, or Maryborough, Victoria? I'm uh, in Victoria, mate. How are you? I'm very well. What are your thoughts on our conversation today? Oh, mate, look, how can you follow an act like that? I just have to say, if I was in person, I'd stand up applause for everything you said. Uh, you're breaking up a little bit there. Just repeat what you said. Uh, if I was there in person, I would stand up and applaud that lady for everything she said. Okay. Uh, Babette Francis, uh, you've got a fan there, someone applauding. Uh, you've got a cheer squad. How do, you, how do you feel about that? Oh, that's great. I could do with more. Tell him to subscribe to our newsletter. He'll get <laughs> a lot of very useful information there. <laughs> okay, Brett, uh, you, you should subscribe to the Endeavour Forum newsletter. Thanks Go for your call, Brett. Go to our website. Uh, it's uh, au. so he'll find... Uh, she find it very interesting. Uh, Brett, well, here's a bet. you need to become one of our politicians. <laughs> All right. The political career ahead. You never know. <laughs> everyone. Brett, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to be part of the conversation. Let's hear from Sharon in Eton in WA. Hello, Sharon. Hi. Hi, Sharon. What are your thoughts? Um, I actually have a question. Um, I often have discussions with my oldest son who's not a Christian um, and when I've sort of talked about how they, I guess, want to kill the infidel and lots of stuff, he keeps bringing up all the time about how in the Bible, the Old Testament, you know, there's all this murder and running around, you know, like Christians, well, weren't Christians, sorry, but um, the Jews were killing different nations and, and stuff. God told him to wipe them out. I know that, that we're not under that because of Jesus. I guess I was just wanting a an answer that I can give to explain in comparison to the um, Quran, like, because he often just says that, well, you know, they don't believe that now or, yeah, I just wanted to know what um, a good reply would be. Uh, It is a really good question and one that needs to be explained with some frequency. Uh, Let's uh, hear from Babette on your thoughts on on Uh, the Old Testament. Neil... um As a Catholic, I regard the Old Testament as, uh, apart from the uh, when the prophets were speaking and uh, and there were some direct conversations with the Almighty, um, I regard it also as a historical record of the of the history of the Jewish people. So naturally, there was uh, quite a bit of uh, reporting of wars and uh, uh, and killing and uh, what what one would regard as military exploits and so on. But uh, Jesus came in the New Testament. Jesus came to say he came to fulfil the word, and it's the New Testament on which um, uh, Christians should uh, focus on Jesus's message of put away your swords, turn turn the other cheek. Uh, love your um, neighbor, forgive your enemies, uh, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. The constant message of love and peace and nonviolence. 
And this is what we should focus on. The New Testament was uh, a fulfillment, if you like, of the historical record of the Jewish people. It gave them uh, a new new message from Jesus Christ. Sharon, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you. And look, there is a lot more to say on that topic. And I think, though, uh, as Babette uh, has very uh, astutely brought to the fore, it's what Jesus brings to the conversation now. Because as Christian believers, followers of Jesus Christ, we see Jesus as the perfect representation of that identity of God. And he brings something of a correction to those things that happened through the history of Israel. And so uh, a lot of those bad things that we happen, uh, you know, things that happened under good kings and bad, uh, even the idea of going into the promised land and uh, wiping out uh, those races that were there because of the corruption that they would continue to bring in the promised land. Those things are a part of the history of Israel, and there are so many lessons to be learned from those. Uh, But when we talk about what Christians believe about the way that the Bible unfolds, Jesus is the centerpiece. He is the one who we look to, and we see his identity being a perfect reflection of the heart of Almighty God. So uh, thank you so much, Sharon, for your insight, and there might be others who might like to call and contribute on that level. At 1-800-316-316, our talkback line is open. Babette Francis is our guest. Babette, let me come to an issue called Sharia law, which is what, while most Muslim people... Uh, would want to bring Sharia law. Not everyone would say that I'm an extremist, but some of the things that come with Sharia law, in fact, are quite extreme. What are your thoughts on Sharia law and the push? Absolutely, and those who want to introduce elements of it into the Australian judicial system, they should be firmly rejected. Uh, for for one thing, coming uh, from the uh, of a women's organisation which believes in equal rights. Um, Sharia law is very discriminatory in its treatment of women. You know, it staggers me that our uh, local feminists uh, don't criticize Islam even more vociferously than I do. Because look, just look at one basic thing, polygamy. Uh, You know, a man's allowed to have four wives, you know, legally allowed to have four wives and uh, temporary marriages for the purposes of prostitution and so on. Why aren't our feminists vocal about this? I I simply don't understand them. And uh, there's nothing uh, controversial about polygamy. It's not um, uh, something that can be uh, interpreted in several different ways. It's quite clear there that a man isn't entitled to four wives if uh, if he wants them. Uh, why don't our feminists object to that? Uh, it's, it's incomprehensible to me. Uh, but, um, Neil, I also want to talk a bit about the tragedy of Pakistan, uh, which uh, I know uh, from personal experience um, better than I know the Middle East. Uh, there's an absolute uh, persecution of Christians and minorities there under their blasphemy laws, and even of Muslims. I've been told there are even more Muslims in uh, on death row in Pakistan uh, under their blasphemy laws. And apart from that... Um, Christian girls in the villages, uh, there's a Christian girl kidnapped almost uh, once a week, uh, forcibly, uh, in quotes, married to her kidnapper, uh, forcibly converted to Islam. When the parents go and complain to the police, the police say, oh, uh, the, the the young man's um, uh, father's a very wealthy landowner. We can't do anything about this. And uh, the, the persecution of Christians and minorities is absolutely horrendous in Pakistan. 
let's take some calls. Lots of people trying to get through uh, when we're having this conversation, Babette. Let's first of all take a call. Nico in Tasmania has been waiting patiently. Hello, Nico. Welcome along. Hello, how are you? Very well, Nico. What are oh, your thoughts on our conversation? Marvelous. Look, um, I've got quite a long story. I was uh, in prison in Risdon for 18 months, and for the last 12 months of that, I was prison librarian. Um, I'm a committed Christian, and like Babette, I'm also a Catholic. And during that time, I decided I'd read all the books I hadn't read during my lifetime that were in- I'd always thought were interesting. And one of them was the Quran, and I read it four times in two different translations. I also read the Hadith, which is the life of Muhammad, and the Sirah, which is fr- from which the uh, Sharia is d- derived. And I was going to start reading it for a fifth time, and I thought, no, I'm not going to learn anything new. I read it five times compared to four And my thoughts on it are the following. Firstly, there is no such thing as a moderate Islam. There is only one Islam, and it is utterly deuteronomical. There is no uh, allegory in the Quran, virtually none. When Jesus says things like, I am the door, or I am the true vine, or, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life, those are allegories, and there's nothing like that in the Quran. There are no allegories. It is utterly deuteronomical or Levitical. It says... You will do this, you will do that, you will do the other. It's not a very long book compared to the Bible, um, and uh, it, it, so we, we, that means that you know people can learn it off by heart. But um, back to the, the idea of, of feminism and saying nothing about Islam, we must understand that secular feminism has the same aims, which is to tear down the Christian ethic in our society. So feminism and Islam have the same common purpose. Okay, Nico, uh, there's some good thoughts in there and a lot of thoughts. Uh, Babette, I hope you heard Nico uh, okay. Uh, what were yes, your thoughts? I heard the first part of it. I didn't uh, hear the last part uh, uh, properly. Uh, what, what did he say about feminism and Islam? Uh, same common goals, I think you said, to tear down, uh, to tear down Christianity. To tear, is that the sort of thing you were yes, saying, Nico? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, feminism is is like the old Marxists used to con- consider their, you know, their their friends in the academy as as useful idiots. So feminism and Marx and and uh, Islam have the same purpose, which is to tear down the Christian basis of our of of our law and of our way of life. Okay, Nico, let's get a, a thought from uh, from Babette on on those things you're oh, well, saying. I agree with Nick, but the, the thing is, we have to find some means of freeing Muslims from Islam, and I'd welcome anyone's thoughts on that, because uh, unfortunately, I think many of our church leaders of uh, of all denominations have failed us dismally on this. They seem to want to um, cooperate with Islam, engage is, uh, uh, Islamists on a, uh, what they call an ecumenical dialogue. And I don't think this is at all desirable. You wouldn't want to engage Nazis or communism, com- communists in a ecumenical dialogue. And I put Islam on the same basis. It's a totalitarian political ideology uh, as well as a, a religion, you know, masquerading as a religion, but it's to, it's totalitarian in its nature. You know, it covers absolutely every aspect of life, including how you wash yourself. You know, it's it's it's, it's some of its uh, manifestations are quite absurd, but others are, uh, are really dangerous. And we have to find some means of liberating Muslims from Islam. You know, evangelizing them. 
uh, educating them, uh, converting them, whatever word you like to use. But uh, that's what I would like to see uh, the energies of the Christian churches uh, focused on. And I will say that some aid organizations like Barnabas Aid, um, uh, which is uh, Protestant-based, and uh, the Catholic one is Aid to the Church in Need, they're doing a, a fairly good job, but there needs to be a far more energetic effort by all the Christian churches not to cooperate or tolerate Islam, but to focus on freeing Muslims from Islam. And a little comment too on Nico and his thoughts about there is no such thing as a moderate Islam. Sometimes we might talk about a nominal Muslim, a person who is uh, Islamic by name only, don't really practice the religion, they're a Muslim, a follower, but not necessarily connected deeply into the faith. And then we talk about moderates, and then we talk about extremists, uh, and uh, Nico's thoughts that there are no such things as difference. Uh, uh, You know, Muslims, uh, those people who are Islamic, are all in the one uh, one boat together. What are your thoughts, uh, Babette? Uh, Absolutely, I agree with that. Uh, the moderate Muslims are really the equivalent of non-practicing Christians. You know, they're uh, completely uh, out of the picked out of the loop. You would uh, you would say, but you know, the the tragedy is that the Muslim street uh, in the street in quotes um, can be very dangerous. You know, and I'll give you the example of Pakistan, where a woman called Aisha Bibi has been in prison for um, uh, six years now, I think, on spurious charges of blasphemy. Uh, Her case is repeatedly uh, postponed because none of the judges want to sit on it. They're in a real dilemma. If they condemn her to be hung on these uh, spurious spurious charges of blasphemy, they will be condemned by the the world. If they acquit her, they will be assassinated by uh, so-called moderate Muslims from the Muslim street. So they're in a real dilemma, and uh, this is the situation uh, that um, uh, that you, you know, you could say there's no such thing as a moderate Muslim, but the Muslims in court street is a very dangerous animal. Yes, and uh, once it's there, it is uh, very quickly spiralling out of control. That's the observation we might have. Thank you so much to Nico from Tasmania for your insights today. We are taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Babette Francis is our guest. Let's hear from Alan in Deer Park in Victoria. Hello, Alan. Welcome along. Hi, good day, Alan. What are your thoughts? Well, my, my thoughts of this is that as a practicing Catholic and Christian, because I'm a Christian first. In Australia, there is nobody who, who, who defends us or stands up for us, and especially in the church. They're all gutless. They're just cowards. They say, they say nothing and do nothing. Okay, uh, that's a broad criticism, and I imagine you're talking about church leaders or are you talking about political leaders? Well, uh, well I, I put them in the same basket because we have a government that does, that does not defend Christianity, and especially in the schools. All right. The government is not defending Christianity, especially in the schools. Your thoughts, Babette Francis? Oh, absolutely. I think the government record is is dismal on this. It should be defending the basis of our... Uh, well, the basis of our system of government of of democracy, which is based on a uh, Judeo-Christian culture and... Uh, they're not doing anything to defend it or even educate the public on from where our uh, human rights come, the origin of the 
the rights of the individual is against the state and the government, and they, the gov- our government should be doing much more about this. It's 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 uh, sad that a coalition government, which is um, uh, suppo- uh, su- supposedly uh, conservative and should be doing this, isn't doing it. And I fear that if we got a a Labour government, uh, many of whose politicians are uh, positively hostile to uh, Christianity, uh, things would be even worse. And it's funny that some of these uh, politicians who are uh, hostile to Christianity are very protective of Islam. You know, they'd be the first ones to get their heads chopped off for, uh, you know, being supportive of homosexuality or um, or, or um, the, the rights of uh, prostitutes or uh, some of these uh, on the, some of these moral issues, which uh, uh, Islam, uh, which Islam and Christianity disapprove of, but uh, Christians leave uh, leave these things to the conscience of the individual and regard them as moral uh, offences against uh, the Almighty, whereas Muslims regard it as uh, an offence also against the state and liable to civil punishment and uh, execution or beheading or. Uh, some of those sorts of um, actual physical punishments, you know, like lashing in um, uh, the in the province of Aceh in Indonesia, which is a so-called moderate Muslim state. Um, homosexuals were recently uh, publicly lashed. Uh, you know, this is going on on our doorstep, and uh, politicians are silent about this. They are, and Alan from Deer Park. Can I just say one thing. Yep, sure. One thing. One, another thing too that makes me really angry is the is the these women's groups who, who attack anybody against abortion. And you have people who are aborting, aborting healthy children because they simply don't want them. And it really is totally and utterly immoral in our society. Uh, that's a little bit off topic today. We'll take the comment. Uh, thank you so much to Alan from Deer Park uh, for your insight today. And just to pick up on what Alan is saying here, because there is a lack of support for Christianity that's coming from leadership, whether that be the political leaders, and I would have to argue that church leaders are not, although they're not as prominent in the media, and that may not be their fault. But what it says to me, Babette Francis, is that if there is to be some level of protection, there has to be a grassroots movement of Christians uh, rising up and uh, and actually having an influence uh, to defend Christianity here. Uh, your thoughts, Babette? Uh, I think that's something we have to pray for, uh, Neil. The problem is that uh, many Christians are so, uh, let's say, burdened with their own um, uh, problems of existing in what is a, a some t- somewhat hostile uh, atmosphere, and they're also struggling with um, uh, how to support their families to paying their electricity bills. You know, that's become a major burden to a lot of uh, uh, Christian families, well, families of all kinds, uh, that they haven't got the, uh, let's say, the energy to um, to go outside their uh, their family home and community and workplace and uh, lobby on these sorts of issues. And it's uh, it's very hard to uh, to energize some of these Christian families because they're so... 
um, their, their, all their energy is taken up in just uh, in just survival, you know, in many ways, you know, and uh, life is becoming tougher even for those of us in this lucky country of Australia. I was just reading in the papers today how young couples can't afford to buy their own home and they're living with their parents or in rented accommodation. Once upon a time, I think 75% of Australians could afford to buy their own home. Now they can't, and this is one of the burdens afflicting many families. Well, thank you so much for the input that has come so far. Let's continue to take a call or two. Chris is in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Yes, good day, Neil. But yeah, I agree with the previous two. Uh, Islam is all about what you do. There's no reason, you see. Uh, there's, uh, when, when you have all these rules, there's a lack of reason. And Islam is a religion about lose, not losing face. So it makes uh, any in, individual Muslim very dangerous. You know, they can't lose face because there's no room for reason. The Quran tells them that they have to do it. And um, and also, um, uh, what I'm trying to say is. Um, uh, uh, let's go with not losing face. Uh, your thoughts on that concept that Aussies are not so familiar with, Babette? Uh, I'm not all that familiar with it either, but uh, I just want to say that I feel very impatient with our uh, church leaders who mouth platitudes like Islam is the religion of, is the religion of peace. Uh, it reminds me of that uh, the fraud perpetu- uh, perpetrated by a number of uh, communist Marxist regimes where they call their countries the Democratic Republic of whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the word democratic in, in conjunction with a, a Marxist state was quite um, uh, contradictory. And it's the same when our church leaders uh, try to defend Islam and say Islam is a religion of peace. Uh, quite apart from Islam's war on Christianity and the rest of the world, Islam has been at internal war with itself since shortly after the death of its founder, you know, where there was a dispute as to who was his successor and this uh, uh, split between Sunni and Shia developed. And they're still at war with each other. They're, look, Muslims to this day are killing more Muslims than they're killing other people of other faith, of other faith. So call Islam a religion of peace is utterly ludicrous. That's right. 1-800-316-316. Thank you so much to Chris from Victoria for your insights. Let's hear from John in WA. Hello, John. Yeah, hello. John, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Neil, when we are talking about this thing, I always look you to Second Timothy chapter 3. What is it that in the last day people will be arrogant, boastful, proudful, and all the rest? And at the end, the end of it, children will be disobeying their parents. And the end, they say, people will have the fall of godliness, but they will deny the power. These are the days we eat. So we should not be surprised if people who are called by God, especially Christians, will have something to do with Islamic belief and put them together. Today we are sitting in the same basket. It's terrible. Jonathan, not so easy to understand uh, all of those things that you were saying today. I picked up on uh, this concept of Christians being lukewarm, of denying the power that uh, we have within as Christian believers. Uh, your thoughts, Babette, on the uh, on the the status of of Christians who may well 
acknowledge some things but not necessarily live out the powerful uh, insight and interior uh, relationship that we have with uh, with Jesus Christ who lives within. Uh, your thoughts on uh, on lukewarmness and denying power? Well, possibly I'll maybe I'll plead guilty to that myself that I haven't uh, broadcast the power of uh, Jesus Christ to solve this problem enough. But um, I, I also uh, place the responsibility uh, on our church leaders, uh, firstly, church leaders of all denominations who have not done enough, with a few honorable exceptions, who have not done enough to educate their flocks about um, Islam, and also uh, our political leaders, mainly our political leaders, because it's their job. We're paying their salaries. Uh, maybe we don't give enough um, donations to our church leaders to energize them, but we certainly pay our politicians very well, and they should be tackling this problem head-on. They should be uh, looking at the Quran, analyzing it, and having a debate in Parliament about it, and, and working out what to do about all the violent injunctions, because this is a, a real case of... Uh, uh, a religion promoting violence right up to the present time uh, immediately and our politicians just mouthing platitudes and saying oh we're not going to let it change our way of life well it is changing our way of life uh, now you have to go to the airport three hours before a flight and stand in long queues and go through security checks in Victoria and Melbourne we've got ugly bollards I think they're called big concrete blocks in our main street to stop uh, uh, terrorists driving their cars onto the footpath and killing people. Uh, it's it's laughable to say it, it, it's not going to change our way of life. It has already changed our way of life because our politicians are too weak to deal with the uh, the source of the problem, which is Islam. They've got to get that out into the open and analyze it and see what can be done about it and force the uh, the the sheikhs and the imam preachers under the with the force of legislation or uh, whatever they can to um, stop quoting from the quran and preaching uh, support for the violent injunctions in the Quran. Thank you to Jonathan from WA for your insight today. Uh, let's take one more call. Uh, no, we've lost that call. Uh, we're back with... Uh, no, we've got Graham from Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. Hello. Look, because we've left God... Uh, Deut- um, yes, uh, Deuteronomy tells you in 28, we've turned away from God, he'll curse us and destroy us utterly if we don't, because we've turned away from him, because we've been blessed. Uh, The idea of turning away God, uh, the idea that a nation suffers when it turns away from God, uh, your thoughts, Babette Francis? Oh, absolutely. Islam would not be able to make such inroads into our way of life if uh, there were not so many lukewarm Christians um, uh, th- this is what's happening in Europe in particular. The, the de-Christianization of uh, Europe uh, would not be affected by getting 100,000 Muslim uh, refugees if the, uh, if the Europeans had not um, lost their practice of the Christian faith. You know, it's the churches were not so so weak, so unattended. You know, I believe a lot of um, churches in Europe are being, t- and particularly in France, are being turned into mosques. You know, this would not be happening if the Christians were strong in their faith. So it is our responsibility, and uh, we have to look at our own faults in this regard. 
Thank you so much to Graham from Tasmania for your insight today. That'll be the last call we'll be able to take. Thanks to everyone who called through and made some great insights, uh, asked some insightful questions. Uh, We'll uh, put a ruler under there for now. Just a couple of minutes remaining in our conversation. We're talking about things like the creeping Sharia law. Uh, There's so many, and if I reflect back to one of the earlier parts of our conversation, the idea that there are tentacles uh, of Islam that are into all sorts of areas in our experience here in Australia unless we have some intervention, in in fact, by divine intervention. And as you uh, very humbly say, Babette, the need to call on God to intervene, oh, that is absolutely. something that we need. We need his power now. Absolutely. I hope you'll conclude this broadcast with a with a prayer that uh, that Christians be motivated motivated to deal with this with this problem, and that Christians become more fervent in the practice of their own faith. Because I think the answer lies there. We're not going to win win uh, converts from Islam uh, if we if we are lukewarm ourselves. Well, let's do that. Let me, uh, if you don't mind, uh, lead us in a short prayer, unless you'd like that privilege, but uh, but I'm quite happy to lead us in that prayer. Let's do that as we end our conversation today. Loving God, as we humble ourselves before you, recognising that there are so many things that are contradictions that we are in the middle of here in Australia, that the headlines don't always reflect the reality of what is happening. Our prayer, our loving God, is for your intervention, for your preservation of this nation of Australia. Lord, as we call upon you to bring your outpouring of your Holy Spirit into the lives of individuals, to embrace one another with the love of Christ, with the message of the gospel, and to engage those who are opponents of our faith, those who would try to tear down Christianity on so many different levels. Lord, we ask for your intervention, that you'll raise up a grassroots body of believers, revived, filled with your Holy Spirit, acting in the love of Christ, taking forth the message of the gospel into places that are dry and that are dead, that that gospel message might bring a new presence of life, the life of Jesus. Lord, we ask for your blessing on our nation, revival for Australia, and Lord, that your protection would be upon all of us as Christians And as we have heard, all of those Muslims who are victims also of Islam. Bring your blessing, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Babette. Thank you so much for taking your time to uh, to be a part of our conversation today. I'll point people to the website endeavorforum.org.au. Endeavorforum.org.au. Babette, thank you for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil, for having me on. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.